Business owners, entrepreneurs, real estate agents across this globe. I'm Bono Ansley. And I'm Chris Tuff. And this, this is Brokering Business. We are going to dive into tactics that you can start implementing immediately. Mindset, strategies, delegation habits, whatever you think about to it. We find out what these agents eat for breakfast to help you sell more houses. This is our podcast, Brokering Billions. Oh God, I'm so fired up. In today's episode, please welcome Dina Goldenter. She has been raising the value of Miami Beach since 2005. Now listen up, Dina has done 1.2 billion in sales the last two years. She's gonna share her secrets with us today about how she even landed a house worth over $6,500 per square foot. Please welcome to the show, Dina. Thank you guys, thank you for having me. I'm Dina Goldenter. Yeah, and so I mean, listen, for 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 listeners out there, I mean, you have absolutely crushed it. I mean, I mean, the last two the, the last two years, Dina's done over one point two billion with the B selling real estate in Miami. Um, that those numbers are absolutely staggering. So we're going to get into it. Figure out what your start was, what you did, how you got there. Um, so. You, you started back in like 2005, right? That sounds about right. Yes. Did you have a mentor to help kind of uh, start your business or did you just dive right into it? I'm a lone wolf. Um, I did not have a mentor. Um, it might have definitely helped. <laughs> right. So, you, you know, I, I was reading, we did a little research before today's interview. And, you know, one of those, what it seemed like one of those key places for you was when you went from 25 million to a hundred and you talked about kind of what you learned from Jay Parker and some of those things. Talk about going from that 25 level, which a lot of our listeners get stuck at that level. What, what was that process like for you? And what were some of the things you implemented to help you get there? Sure. Um, well, there were definitely significant changes that helped propel my career to this next level. Uh, one of them was leaving, um, my firm at the time, which was a Sotheby's franchise and switching to Douglas Elliman headed by um, our CEO, Jay Parker, uh, for this uh, Florida region. Uh, Jay really believed in me. You know, Jay was the ultimate cheerleader. Um, he, he said, you're going to do 100 million. And he was right. Um, but the first year, and I think many agents can agree, when you switch companies, that first year, that transition year is not where you see the big jump because that year you're rebranding new personnel, a new project um, that you end up spending time uh, creating your presence at the new company. And it was the year after at Element uh, where I really blew up. Um, but there was also a big change in my structure. I had a partner for many years, a 50-50 partner, uh, and she and I decided to part ways. And when we parted ways, um, that's when I was really able to channel my vision, which was to focus on double digit sales. Uh, prior to that, in our partnership, we were always in the three to five million range. Occasionally, we'd have a seven million, a nine million. Occasionally, we'd get into the double digits. Um, but I wanted to be known as someone who specializes in ultra luxury. And when I was able to focus on just that is when I, quote unquote, blew up. 
Dina, do you take listings under a certain amount? Will you do a million dollar or $2 million listing? I will. I'll take a listing in any price point as long as it's best in class. Um, That's really what I'm known for, that it's the best line in the building. It's the best unit in a building. It's the best uh, uh, portion of a street. Uh, For me, you know, it's not so much about price points, even though I definitely like double digits. I don't say no to business as long as the properties are a reflection of my brand. And that's amazing. I mean, I think you've got the highest sale ever in Miami-Dade County at $55 million. Maybe that was the highest land sale. Is that right? Correct. It was it was the highest sale for a minute, um, but that has quickly right. been broken, like in any sector, right? It's easy to break records when right. you know, economic tide is uh, raising all boats. Um, so uh, that is the highest land sale was $57 million in Bell Harbor Village. I think that record still stands. Um I do hold the record of price per foot, which is six thousand five hundred, which is insane. It's um, insane. It's insane. Yeah. Let's let's take a timeout. Let's dissect that six thousand yeah. five hundred per square foot. I want to hear that story, Dina. How how sure. did you get that? Like, talk us through that. Yeah, l- l- let me break in. So when we were talking with Aaron Kerman out of L.A., you know, he was pitching a hundred and twenty-five million dollar listing, and I know our listeners remember that. He researched before he got in there to talk to the sellers and he figured out that the seller had a psychic. Yeah. You know, so he started, you know, he had each agent had an hour to interview. And once Aaron said, well, my psychic said, and the sellers go, you have a psychic? Yeah, I've got a psychic. Do you have a psychic? Yeah, I've got a psychic. Ended up having the same psychic. And for the next 55 minutes, they talked about their psychic, right? So it's these connections that can get you to where you want to go. So love to hear how you got that listing and and how that worked and how that listing presentation approach was. Oh, that was a tough one. It was a referral. It was a very competitive listing on Indian Creek Island. Um, Indian Creek um, has been making the papers lately because uh, Ivanka and Jared bought there, Tom and Giselle bought there. Um, it, It really has attracted a much younger, cooler population to make, you know, the headlines, whereas it used to be just kind of older uh, titans of industry like Carl Icahn, um, who lived on the island. So uh, many brokers wanted this listing. It was very competitive. Um, You know, my marketing is what tends to get me over the edge. Uh, When owners have these best in class assets that they've spent years renovating, you know, laboring over the color of the stone and the color of everything. um, The fact that I have such intricate specialty marketing uh, lets them see that I'm a fit for their property. Um, Very rarely, occasionally, there's that connection like the Aaron psychic story, but I actually am so superstitious that I don't Google the clients before I meet them because I feel like it forces an inauthentic connection because I already know everything they're going to tell me, what college they went to, how many kids they have, what charities they're a part of. And I'm already so like type A that if I already know the answer is coming, it's going to feel fake that I'm, oh, ah, you know, it's not yeah, going to feel yeah, like it's, that. It's great. That's so I don't do it. And it could hurt me because some people believe knowledge is power, but I'd rather hear the story and say, oh, my kids go to this school too, you know? Right, right, right. So Dina, when you stepped out on your own, when you left your partner and and, and at that point you could really brand Dina, right? And and right. And, and you you came in with the you know, step inside with me, which you kind of sometimes start everything that you do, maybe on social media with that, your website's that, which is really, really cool. So talk about that branding when you started and, and how that branding has, has, has helped you propel your career. 
Absolutely. I mean, the branding, like many good ideas, came about accidentally. Um, I was saying that in videos and the videographer that I use, um, he started getting requests from other agents. And when they were doing their videos, they would say the same tagline. You know, and there's so many other things you could say, like, welcome to this house or let's go on a tour. So I actually trademarked it um, to make it, you know, that I own those four words um, so that other agents, because we all copy one another, you know, it's just on that thing in business. So they wouldn't say it. And then it took off and I would see people on the street and they'd be like, step inside with me or I'd be up for listings and they go, are you going to do a step inside with me here? And that's when we started, you know, branding more things with the tagline. And listeners, I want to encourage everyone. I mean, almost pause the podcast and go follow Dina on Instagram. This content and I come at from Golden Dina. It's yeah, at Golden. It's so um, go check it out. This content is insanity, right? I mean, it is on. We were going through it all as a group yesterday, and we we're like, this is on a level. That is so far beyond. I mean, the production level is thank you guys pristine, right? Like, so did you always have that vision, or you have you graduated to where you have a crew? How are you dealing with trying to scale that at the level that is so high? You know, thank you for pointing that that out because, in addition to being a salesperson and a marketer, it does feel like I have this secondary uh, media business. So, with uh, my I'll call a media partner, uh, Mike Ruiz. He has a company called Legendary Productions. They're responsible for 90% of the content that he put out, that I put out. Everything is, you know, for me, it's all about like glossy and pretty. I want my listings to shine, right? So I'm not doing as, as, as much as it is for like, you know, viewership and number of likes. Like I, I don't like things too gritty and, you know, I don't want to show, you know, ugly things in my listings, right? So we make sure that everything is perfect. What we put out, you know, is is showroom quality because that's what I find buyers want to see. You know, they don't want to walk into a house and really see how someone lives. They don't want to see the kids' toys, the toothbrush on the counter. You know, we're not trying to showcase that level of realness, um, which is why my Instagram, especially my hard posts are just really like perfection. Well, I'd Stories also like I'll get a little more real. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah no, right. no question. But also, I'd like to say, like your 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 outfits, and it's like you're just coming off the red carpet. Like everything that you when you get out there, like you're show ready. I mean, you like look amazing, and I've never seen the same dress in any of these Instagram uh, posts that you do. So you really take it to the next level on that front. Well, I want people to take note of what you just said, because it's such a good tidbit, right? In stories, you keep it a little bit more real, but what yeah. is hitting your actual Instagram profile is the, the t- talk us through a little bit about, are you planning out the stories through your day? Or are you trying to hit a certain number? Like talk through. That. I mean, everything is, you know, my Instagram is like my own little reality TV show, which I would never do. So it's great to have this little outlet that's controlled by me. Um, everything is organic, right? We have a new listing. We focus on that. You know, we have a price reduction. That's the story. You know, we're getting a new listing coming soon. So I'm grateful to have a healthy business that allows me to constantly have content. Um, so it kind of feeds itself. And of course, people want to see a little bit of the real life. So do I occasionally post my 
kids and husband? Yes. On the weekends, do I occasionally post a, you know, great bowl of soup? Sure. Um, but at this point, I feel like the people are following me. They really want to, they want to know what's coming next. They know I'm going to post on my Instagram, a house that they'll see in the MLS the next day. So it's really, you know, property driven content. I love that. Well, I mean, take us through just, I mean, obviously we read it in the news. We go down there and we see what's happening in Miami. It's unlike anything. I, you know, I, I'd say Austin, you get a similar vibe, Nashville, you get a similar vibe, but nothing is like what's happening in Miami. Talk to sure. us about the market there. Yeah, especially over the last three years. And then love yeah. to get your take on the COVID Miami, right? And then sure. kind of where we are in 2023. Absolutely. I mean, Miami to us, you know, people who have lived here as long as I have or longer has always been a real city. But I think on the national, international scale, it was viewed as a party city. It was a place you come for a weekend, you go to the clubs, you go to the beach, you go home. Um, And that really started changing in the last, you know, 10 years much more in the last five years when we started getting more cultural museums and top restaurants. But during COVID, when you had literally the biggest, you know, business people in the country, all hybrating to Miami, they were all stuck here, right? And they loved it. And they saw that their companies weren't going to suffer because they could be working from the pool with their uh, laptop on Zoom. And they stayed. And that's what really has changed Miami, that we're not seasonal. We're not for just a, a good long weekend. Um, we're really an amazing place to live. A major food group, when they landed on the scene and opened like 15 incredible restaurants here, really solidified that even more. Um, so people who are coming here from New York or from L.A., the traditional big cities uh, of America, I mean, I think they just find us better. Mm, yeah. Our politics and um our economic policies, the fact that we have no state income tax, you know, also enhances that our lifestyle is amazing. So where are most of your clients coming from? And I mean, obviously you're now sought after, right? Like, so, I mean, are you, are you doing proactive kind of courtship in some of these key cities of LA and, and New York, or is that just kind of coming naturally to you? I mean, it's coming naturally to me by referral because I have been in the business for so long and because I do have so many listings online, but I certainly am not taking that for granted. You know, I still do a lot of marketing. Um, We have uh, magazine ads coming out in LA this week to really, you know, try to pull their people this way since they just started their mansion tax as of April 1. I have a billboard going up in Boston because they have a millionaire's tax, which is the same concept um, starting in May. Um, last summer I did a bus out of the Hamptons, you know, targeting New Yorkers. Um, really it's, it's, it's a continuing, you know, you know, I can't just be like, okay, I made it, you know, they're going to call me, you know, you know, that's really interesting out of the dozens and dozens of guests that broker, you know, a lot of real estate. That's the first I've heard of taking out a billboard or a, 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 magazine ad in another city like LA. And I just think that that's absolutely brilliant, especially because Miami is such a hub where people are moving now and seeing a great glassy, you know, ad about Miami and you and what you do is sure. is really brilliant. Well, I can't do like that in Atlanta. No, well, Atlanta's popping. Um, we are launching it next week, but uh, you'll hear it here first. We took a billboard in Silicon Valley um, it's me against the beautiful Miami backdrop and it says your next billion dollar idea, hashtag move to Miami. So I love it. Get it. I love we it. We planned it before Silicon Valley bank collapsed, but when it did, we, uh, definitely felt like, Hey, this is great placement. 
I love that. I mean, and you, you're like, I mean, and you can, you can sense this about you, Dina, that you, you are a driver, right? And, and one of the things that I loved reading about you was a quote on uh, how you're relentless with the follow-up. We've got a lot of listeners that are brokers that feel stuck. Talk through a little bit about, obviously, what is a natural work ethic to you, but how do you go about that relentless follow-up? What is it that you're practicing that listeners can take heat on to, to take it to the next level? I mean, as far as, I mean, I know a lot of people with great follow-up, but it's a rhythm, right? It has to be, I'm following up, but I'm giving you a pause. Oh, it's a national holiday. Is it the kind where I can wish you a happy one? Or should I give you space and follow up on Monday, right? Like there's a rhythm to follow up because you don't want people to find you annoying. You know, my, my follow-up now is a little different because I follow up if I really want it. And if I don't really want it, I kind of don't follow up as aggressively as I should because energetically, I don't really want it. Sure. And then what are you doing for that follow-up? Are you doing like kind of sell like text first and then email and then like, or are you doing a call? Like, how are you doing sure. it? I mean, I read my audience, right? If someone sure. always calls, then I call them because that's what they like. If someone texts, I do that. I'm not a big email person because I often miss the response and might not see it for like 48 hours. Um, I've lately we've been into the WhatsApp chat because wow. there's so many people involved, right? There could be, you know, um, a husband and wife, a partner and partner, their business manager. Um, you know, there's there's so many people involved in decision making than the than my um, admin team and my marketing team. So we just start a big group WhatsApp chat because I used to find myself like 10 times a day screenshotting messages and forwarding to relevant parties, you know? That's, uh, I mean, that, that's brilliant. Uh, I love that. That goes back to another quote um, that you said, I see myself as a matchmaker between people and their most important asset. Their home. That's a good one. That's cute. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good though. Right. Like, and, yeah. and, and you can, and you sense that vibe when you go online and you look at your stuff, right? Yeah. Like you're actually following that all the way through. Now, Dina, I've got, um. so for those listeners that are out there that are kind of just getting started, I mean, you've now, your numbers are insane. One of the things I've learned from Bono is just this art of delegation, right? He, he talks about you know, embracing your strengths and then delegating the rest. Talk to listeners about how you've been able to build and scale your team and, and how you've gone about that. You know, I'm not the best person to model after because I, my philosophy is micromanagement. Um, yeah. And that is very difficult on my personal life because I very rarely turn off. Um, but now for the first time, probably ever in my career, I have such a strong team. Um, they provide so much support. Uh, and I haven't taken a vacation in a while, but if I were, I feel like I could actually relax and trust them. So that's, we'll be testing that theory. That's this so interesting <laughs> to do this much real estate and, you know, have your little, have your hand in every little aspect of it is amazing. Um, and you know, I mean that, and how big is your team? Like, do you have, do you still write your own contracts? Do you have somebody yep. that does that? That's crazy. I don't actually even own a computer. Um, so none of my contracts or MLS listings are entered by me, but I'm very into the marketing. You know, I want to know yeah. 
when's the, and of course I look at every contract that goes out and every lease. Um, uh, we have a two eyes policy, right? So someone has to have a second set of eyes before anything goes out, even though I, I like to be that second set of eyes. If I can't, if I'm showing houses for five hours, they can't not send out contracts and counters and listings. Um, so that really works well. Uh, in my office, and we have the same policy uh, for marketing, that any piece before it goes out, there's a second set of eyes um, that looks at it, which always adds to a second you know, perspective. Um, so that really is how I function. Um, but I know when a sign's going up, you know, of course, I know when we're having a, a broker open or an open house, you know, I know every showing that's on what the feedback is, because lately what I'm approaching in my career is owners say, oh, this seems too small for you. Do you have time for this? Mm-hmm. And that's where I have to assure them that I've created the infrastructure that I, in fact, do if I want right. it. If I don't want it, they're right. I don't have time. Right, right. And so, I mean... In juggling all these things, you're a wife, you're a mother, right? Do you, how do you find balance? Do you force balance? Is it a scheduled thing? How, how do you, how do you do that? I mean, I gave up balance a long time ago because it used to be, you know, like so compartmentalized, right? Now everything's everything, you know? So um, I could be at the playground and I could put my phone away, but I'm going to sneak away for 10 minutes and check on it. You know, um, I don't compartmentalize my life as much, which actually leads to less stress because when I would create those boundaries of this is me time, this is family time, this is client time. That's when I, the overlap would piss me off, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, now it's just kind of, it all is what it is. And I love my job because again, I'm at that point where I really get to pick with whom I work with, which properties I'm really going to give my all to, and then my owners, you know, make the most and really are excited and proud. So it's fun. I don't feel like I need a break from it. Yeah. Well, what, so what is driving you now? I mean, you look at your numbers, you look at where you're going, where you've been, where's that? Are you always going to that next level? Is it, is it something you set out at the beginning of every year? Talk through what is motivating you to continue to drive in this trajectory. Definitely. I mean, I set goals every year, usually in January, maybe in December. Um, for me, it's it, it, like last year, I did not have a $50 million sale. The year prior, I had two. You know, it was COVID. So now this year, of course, I want to have one of my goals is to have another $50 million sale. There's been a $100 million sale in Miami now. There's only been one, but it wasn't done by me. I want to do $100 million yeah, sales. Yeah. So I definitely set uh, goals relating to economics and then goals relating to more, you know, emotional things. Like one of my goals this year is to just really only work with cool people that I vibe with. Like, I don't want to work with assholes, you know, like there's so many good people with, you know, a lot of money that I don't really need to work with assholes. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Amazing. Um, see what else. Yeah. I got some stuff, but we'll just, well, so I guess, you know, if we're taking, let's just say, for example, you're at lunch, right? And you're sitting in one of your epic Miami spots and it's a young agent that is just getting started. What to you is the single best piece of advice you would give that broker sitting across from you at that lunch? What would that be that they can so take? It wouldn't be lunch because I don't do lunch. Uh, okay. It's not part of the person sitting with me because I'm on my phone the whole time, right? Lunch is go. like, we're busy, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, love yeah. that. I would, I would do a breakfast, you know, that is definitely a quieter time. 
Um, usually I, I just give the standard advice that if you have to ask me for advice, then you probably need a mentor, you know? So I say, join a team because the hardest thing starting out in real estate, I remember I was in my early twenties is the lack of structure, right? Nobody's telling you be here. So it's very easy to, to just say, Oh, I'm going to go meet a friend or, you know, the lack of structure uh, for a lot of people doesn't work. So joining a team, they provide structure. You've got to be at the office at nine. You've got to go uh, cover this show and you've got to hold this open house. Your day gets filled. It could, it could never end literally. Um, so, and I think that structure helps a lot of people stay in the business because so many people leave the business after the first year. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Dina, what's the, what's the climate like right now? Like in y'all spring market, is your spring market, the hot market, or is it the summer market? And y'all, y'all have the inventory problems that all of our other agents that we're talking to have right now. No, we, as in too much inventory or not enough, not enough. Oh no, we have inventory. Our market definitely is, you know, the new favorite word normalizing. Um, if you're a buyer in the market, um, I can probably show you 10, 12 houses. Whereas it used to be, I've got two pick one. That's um, that's I have a, a lot of too, I think for the rest of the rest of the nation. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I just think it's better. Our market is, is doing great compared to, I thought the rest of the nation had an oversupply and we were the only leading market in the country. Um, the wall street journal article said we were up uh 12% where pretty much everything on the West coast is down and they were losing their population to the East coast. So that's the latest thing that I read. Um, no, it's, it's a, it's a healthier market. You know, if you're buying three to 5 million, you probably have 30 homes that you could look at, you know, you, you can really have your pick of the litter, um, condos, you know, again, like we, we have a good supply. So buyers don't feel like they have nothing to choose from. So w- would you say it's a seller's market or you think more normalized to a, more of an equal market right now in Miami? I think it's still a seller's market, again, for the product that I do, because it doesn't matter what the market is doing. If you're the best house on the street or you're the best condo in the building, there's always going to be a buyer. Mm, yeah, we're, we're seeing um, very low inventory here in Atlanta, but everything we put on the market sells right away with multiple offers. But we need, wow. we need a lot more inventory. So wow. you know, with Miami's a leading indicator, hopefully that'll increase our supply over the next several months so we can have more product to sell, thus have more transactions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We've got product. Definitely. I mean, there's, it's not an oversupply. It's far from it. But if you, if you want to come into Miami for two days and you're going to look at stuff, we're going to be busy for those two days. You got, you got plenty to show. That's, that's, and prices have not, uh, prices still rising in Miami. I mean, they're not falling. They're not falling. That's a great answer. That's what, that's what we're saying here in Atlanta too. I love it. Well, Dina, where can people find you reach? I mean, obviously just follow along, see kind of this best marketing that you're doing. Yes. Um, on my Instagram, that's where I'm most active. Um, we started a TikTok, and I might have a Facebook, but I don't really, I don't use them. Uh, so at golden Dina, you will see everything we're doing, the most incredible homes in the Miami beach marketplace and it's offshoots, but that's really 80% of my business is in Miami beach. Um, or 10, 15 minutes away from it, <clears throat> like golden beach and Coral Gables. Um, but I, I'm really localized. You're not going to find me in other counties. You're not going to find me in other markets, which so many agents are doing right now. They're literally like going national. I'm the opposite. I'm staying local. That's love that's awesome. I love it. Well, this love has it. been fantastic. One of our best podcasts we've had. By far. You are. Oh, wow. Well, this is fantastic. This is your first podcast. So thanks for it doing is. it with us. 
And uh, listeners, have a uh, have a wonderful rest of the day. Thank you, Dina. Thank you, Thanks, Dina. Guys.